We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, yes. Welcome back. To another audio adventure on Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for coming back each and every episode and for making this one of the top podcasts in the world. Without you, we've got nothing. So thank you so much. Speaking of coming back, so great to have QT Marshall back on the show. And yes, as he tells us in this interview, that's how it's pronounced. It is QT Marshall, not Marshall. You see him in the ring every single week on Dynamite with The Factory, but he's got a lot going on behind the scenes as well. He heads up the training at the Nightmare Factory, the wrestling school in Atlanta. He also works behind the scenes with AEW as the Director of Creative Coordination. We find out what a Director of Creative Coordination does. That's his official title. What a title! We figure out what he does and everything that's been going on. I mean, a lot has changed since the interview that we did a year ago. That was episode 65. If you want to go back and check that out, share this with a friend, snap a screenshot, share it on social media. Let us know that you're listening. Tag us both. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. QT is at Real QT Marshall. And if you haven't subscribed yet, let's change that. Take a second, hit subscribe or hit follow wherever you're listening to this right now so you don't miss out on any other episodes. If Apple Podcast happens to be where you're listening right now, it would be so greatly appreciated if you could leave a review like this one from RC247 in the UK. He says, changing the game. I don't know where to start with Chris, really, but he's got a goal to reach. And after all the hours of entertainment that he's provided me with, this is just my small way of saying thank you. I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts and a lot of interviews in general, but Chris is really one of a kind. He is not only great at getting his guests to open up and be vulnerable, but he constantly shows gratitude to you, the listener, and his guests. Chris ends every episode with a quote of inspiration and always makes me work harder. So one day, if I'm lucky, I could be interviewed by the very best himself. Thank you, Chris. Hopefully someday I can thank you in person. Well, thank you 
even if we can't meet in person right now, RC247, just want to say thank you for the very kind words and for taking the time to leave a review. I look forward to meeting you and possibly interviewing you in the future. Man, I love the UK. I used to go there like, I used to be in London like three, four, five times a year. So when this thing is all over and we're able to travel again, which I believe actually we can travel for fully vaccinated this summer, maybe I'll see you in the UK this summer. Let's make it happen. Now you mentioned it in your review. Yeah, I've got a goal. I've got a very lofty goal of 2000 reviews before my birthday, which is very quickly approaching on May 19th. After that, we're not reading reviews anymore. So these intros are going to be a lot shorter. We're going to just be getting straight to the conversation, which is what we'll do right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest, QT Marshall. Well, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too. How's it going? Things are great. You know, I was thinking it's been a little over a year since our last interview, which we did in person. That was January of 2020. My goodness, I feel like so much has changed in the world, but also so much has changed with you in that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a heck of a year. I mean, you know, unfortunately, with, you know, the pandemic happening, which professionally actually was one of the greatest things for me because it gave me the opportunity to really showcase what I could do in the ring, which has led to a lot more opportunities and brings me to, you know, this week, blood and guts versus Cody. Yeah, I feel like sitting in front of me right now, you look like a member of the Sopranos family or something. I mean, you know, that's people, I'm Italian from New Jersey. My wife's Italian from New Jersey. I mean, you know, uh, if the shoe fits, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. What would you say has been the biggest change since we spoke, you know, a little bit over a year ago? Um, obviously, I think it would have to be the fact that I'm almost like a, a key player now on Dynamite, right? Before I was just doing the backstage thing. I had dipped my toes in wrestling a little bit, but like I said previously, uh, over the past year, I've really been able to, to prove myself and also kind of take uh, my spot in my own hands, let's put it that way, and, and take what I feel that I've deserved over the past you know, 17 years. So where, where did that shift happen? Was it because of COVID? You guys weren't able to bring in as many different talents. So you kind of like looked within and went, all right, well, let's work with the talent we have then. Yeah, I mean, you know, when the boss asked you to go out there on live TV, because there's not many people that he trusts, um, that kind of gave me the little bit of confidence, I guess I needed to really start speaking up and, and you know, asking for more opportunities and stuff like that. So uh, luckily, the one thing in starting with AEW that I didn't have to learn was how to wrestle. I already knew how to do that. And it was just waiting for the right moment and then getting that opportunity and getting the ball and not fumbling. You look so comfortable in this role now being a heel. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I don't, I'm not a meet and greet type of person. Uh, The fans, the way they talk to wrestlers uh, through social media, like, uh, I think Tyson said it's because they they didn't get they they know they won't get punched in the face, but I challenge anybody to come to the factory and say what they're say to me on Twitter to my face. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as they sign the waiver, because again, I don't want them to sue me for what we have, but I have no problem putting a fan in their place. You know, they're a fan. That's what they're they're meant to just cheer and boo. I don't need to hear their opinions on how the show is written and this, that, and the other. Those are critics. You know what I mean? If you're not making money as a critic, keep your mouth shut. Well, there's some old phrase, something along the lines of like, there's no point in taking any criticism from someone in the stands because there's a reason that they're in the stands and you're, you know, the one with the lights on you. Sure, 100%. And I, 
you know, I think us wrestlers have given too much power to those people. And, you know, like things aren't going to change. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but I'm on TV every week. Uh, that's going to keep going. Uh, the ratings are there as much as people don't want to say it internally. We know. So we're going to keep it going. And I enjoy it. I'm good at it. And I'm undefeated in 2021. So there's no point in me not being there. You're right. The, I mean, the ratings are there and the ratings, I mean, you guys are now, you have no competition on a Wednesday night. How does that work from a business standpoint for you? Um, I think, you know, it's exciting one because there's going to be more eyes on our product, but also uh, that MTV road rules real world thing, man. I didn't even know that was still a thing, but they're, you know, they have one of the top spots on TV every week as well. So we're competing with them as well. Um, so I think we just have to continue to give the best product and get people interested in, in what we're doing in our stories in our characters and our uh, personalities and just hope for the, you know, that each fan is going to continue to watch and tell a friend. Well, the reality is you're up against every other show on television that night. You know, just because NXT is not on Wednesday night anymore, doesn't mean you're not competing with a thousand other shows. Right. Or like last week, the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it might be. He has, he has a lot of pull. That guy has a lot of name recognition. Exactly. Yeah. So where did this shift happen for your character? And what was the thought process that went into it for you? Um, it was probably right when I started teaming with Dustin and I saw all the comments and the, you know, the fans telling me that, you know, I don't deserve to team with Dustin. It should be this person. It should be that person. Um, QT doesn't deserve TV time. Like wherever they got that from, that's the narrative that I think we, we told them from the beginning. I think when AEW started, if we presented me as who I am, which is a, you know, 17 year veteran, uh, world traveler, a uh, guy who busted his ass, who put his time in. We didn't, but we didn't present me as that. We presented me as Cody's coffee get, gopher and, um, you know, someone that pushed paper and worked behind the scenes and stuff like that. So again, perception is reality. And I think unfortunately the perception of me when we first started, I mean, think about the first match I did on Dynamite with Cody, where I was presented as this nobody, as this guy that couldn't do anything. And then we flipped the the opinion of the fans by the end of that match. And that was you know, something that was, uh, you know, that was planned, right? Like that was something that we knew, okay, if we're going into this with our backs up against the wall, but we want to get QT over, we want me to succeed, right? Because there's no point in going out there if it's, if it's not for the best uh, result. And we were able to do that. And then, you know, we didn't capitalize, unfortunately. So little by little, I've been just, it's been eating me alive inside that all of my hard work, all the stuff I do backstage, you know, like I said, I mean, there are people that were also, presented with these opportunities like, uh, you know, Michael Nakazawa, Brandon Cutler, but they were immediately presented with wrestler and backstage contracts. I wasn't, I was offered a backstage deal and that was it. So the moment I got an opportunity to get in the ring, you know, I knew like, okay, this is my chance. This is where, and then when I realized I was always going to be in the shadow of the Rhodes family, I was always going to be in Cody's and Dustin's shadow and stuff like that. You know, I started building my own little team and we decided, Hey, it's now or never. Let's let's do it. I was able to get Cody to do that exhibition match. And I realized, OK, this is our chance. There's no turning back there. There's no apologizing. Let's let's go full speed ahead and take no prisoners, as they say. I mean, I don't feel like you had to prove yourself to anybody in AEW. Everyone was very aware of the work that you had done and you could do. I feel like it's almost like you needed to win yourself over to the fans. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that bunkhouse match, right? So I jump off this 20-foot ladder and I get the victory for us. And, oh, my God, QT. Like, that was one thing that I did. 
You know what I mean? And then again, we didn't capitalize on it as, and that's my fault. I should have spoke up and I didn't. And, you know, at the same time I realized, okay, when is my next chance going to come? Like we always have to eat. And unfortunately, if the, if the food isn't coming, sometimes you just got to take it. So, you know, I was doing a lot of stuff on dark and then elevation started and believe it or not, I had this thing on Sammy's block where it was really picking up steam because I was being myself, you know, which unfortunately a lot of people don't like honesty. And that's what was, but I was reading the comments from the audience and they were like, man, we need this QT. We need this QT. And I don't care which QT you think you need. I know where I'm comfortable and I know what I'm good at. And I'm good at making people not like me. Uh, and I'm okay with that because listen, at the end of the day, I have a handful of friends and I don't need any more. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of acquaintances and I'm okay with that, but I don't need a lot of friends because you'll realize as life goes on that friends really aren't as, as good as you think they are. They're only good there for what you could do for them. Mm. We spoke at length last time about whether it was QT Marshall or QT Marshall. It, you said it's QT Marshall, but I feel like we've settled on QT Marshall. So yeah, today we're going to show something I did the other day and it's Marshall. And I'm going to make sure from this point forward, it's Marshall. I mean, so, what a, what a perfect heel thing to do too. I mean, I teach, when we teach wrestling, we teach our students, there's nothing more important than your name, right? Like when you introduce yourself, when you talk to the ring announcer, whatever it is, it's your name. This is yeah. what people are going to know you as. And I felt it was immediately disrespectful that the first time I was presented on TV, which was at the Fighter Fest, when I was out there moving the mannequins around and Excalibur, who he called me QT Marshall. And I was like, you know what? But I wasn't in the position to change it. And I wasn't going to fight it at the time because I just wanted to get my foot in the door when it came to the wrestling side. And backstage, you know, they call me by my, my legal name. So there was no reason for me to, you know, to, to fight it. Um, but now I have. I will continue to until I get the respect that I deserve. <laughs> if we peel the curtain back a little bit, I feel like you've got at least three jobs. So what we see on Dynamite in the ring as a wrestler, then you have a, scene, uh, a job behind the scenes, and then you're also heading things up at the factory, training people at wrestling school. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, they're all my passions. I love teaching. Um, I love working behind the scenes. You know, I deal one-on-one -on -one with Tony all the time. Um, you know, we're up all night working together at TVs and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's very fun. Uh, it's tiring. It's time consuming. And, you know, I definitely see a difference um, if, you know, we're up all night and then I have to perform the next day. So it's just, and with that pressure that I have of, because I know deep down the money for me as a company is behind the scenes much more than it is as a wrestler for right now. So I have to go above and beyond to make sure that I don't mess up my behind the scenes gig while I'm performing. Because if that's the case, if they have to take one away, there's a good chance they're gonna take the wrestling one away. And that's the one that I've worked so hard for over the years to, to get. So yeah, it's hard juggling and balancing, but you know, at the end of the day, like I don't really have a choice at the moment, so. I remember when COVID first started and one of the episodes of Dynamite was actually done at the factory. It was done at the wrestling school. Can you take me behind the scenes of how those decisions were made to move Dynamite to the Nightmare Factory? It was crazy. We had, uh, you know, the whole world was shutting down. Um, but I knew that our building was shut down as well. Um, so one thing led to another. We got our, our building guy in touch with the owner of our facility and this, that, and the other. We were able to make a deal where we were going to film 
So, so we closed the whole facility. We turned our four ring area into one ring, curtains up, the whole deal. And we were able to film a live dynamite that Wednesday night. But then the next day, they put out an order to close the whole entire world. <laughs> so we ended up filming like six weeks worth of TV in one day. It was a very tiring and strenuous day, but we did it. Um, I didn't wrestle on any of those matches, which killed me inside because I had just made the debut with Dustin the night before. So, but I worked side by side with Tony and I realized then, and what happened was I saw that setup, and I realized like, oh man, I could do this for our facility. And we just aired uh, one of the showcases last night on YouTube on the Nightmare Family channel, which is Cody's students. And, uh, but if you look at the setup, it's really cool. It's something that when I was going to wrestling school, I wish we would have had, you know, and we give them the full entire presentation. We teach everything from you know, working the lights, the music, audio, video, everything you could possibly think of. And uh, it's it's exciting. So that was really cool how we did it. We almost ended up doing it again um, for a special shoot, but we ended up going somewhere else. That was for the Sting and, and uh, Darby cinematic deal. So it's pretty cool. It's good to know that we have that if, if it's ever needed. And the fact that you guys put that together, look, it looked amazing. Nobody watching would have ever known it was different at all. But the fact that you guys put that together so quickly and it looks so good, like I feel like you should be patting yourself on the back for that. Oh, yeah. And our production team is amazing. I mean, I sent them one photo and they were like, yep, we can do it. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. And then sure enough, I mean, I walked in. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, look at this place, you know? It was yeah. super exciting. And like I said, it really gave me inspiration to – over the past, you know, six months, spend about fifty thousand dollars out of my own pocket just to just to kind of recreate. You know, I even have uh, our production company building me an entrance tunnel for the guys, so this way they don't just have to walk out in front of a curtain. You know, I, oh. I want to, you know a lot of the wrestlers they might not have a chance to succeed, right? Um, and when I say succeed, I mean make it to a, a top company. But at least while they're here, they're going to enjoy it. It's going to be like their Disneyland. Someone pointed out last year that you guys had done, at that point, had done more shows without a crowd than in front of a crowd on Dynamite. And I kind of went, oh my gosh, wow, that's so true. What do you feel like you've learned from this time being at Daly's Place? Um, so the one thing about wrestling in a wrestling school for the past 16 years is that <laughs> I wrestled in front of about you know 14 other wrestlers every night training. Yeah. So for me, it was... Uh, kind of like home, right? Um, but for the big stars, the guys that have only been wrestling in front of big crowds, you know, I'm sure it's a little harder for them. Um, it's nuts. You know what I mean? It really is when you think about it, that we're on TV in front of a million people every week and in the crowd there's, you know, we have started to have more fans. So, but at the most a thousand. Um, so that's exciting. But yeah, it's, it's surreal. It's surreal that we've been able to continue to do it too. That's the weirdest part. When I watch wrestling, I see, and I'm just like, man, these guys that are used to wrestling in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people are wrestling in front of nobody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, um, you know, of course, I think I just read something about Chris Jericho stating how they can redo stuff. And, you know, which on you can. I mean, if you really want to, like you have the option. If you don't like the way you did something, if there's no audience there, we can. We try not to and we don't want to. And uh, but you do have that option, which is it's pretty weird to think like that because, you know, one of the things about wrestling we always teach is like, there's no second takes. There yeah. are no cuts, you know, but uh, the magic of TV. Is is there a plan to get back on the road with Dynamite at some point this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, as the world opens up and there are states that are more uh, open to it. I mean, look, UFC just had a sold out crowd in Jacksonville and yeah. 
I haven't really been following, but I don't know what the, you know, what happened afterwards, right? Like, I don't know what that effect was. Uh, hopefully not that bad. And hopefully everyone is realizing with the vaccinations and stuff that we can go back to normal. And I'm excited for one because I want a sold out crowd booing me. That's the one thing I want. You know what I mean? I don't want to, you know, the, my biggest fear is having no noise when you walk out there, but having no noise walking out there wrestling in front of dark uh, or on dark in front of nobody, I think we'll be okay now. So, well, that first show that you guys did at Daly's Place where there was a crowd, where there was just, you know, you finally opened the doors and had some people in, those 500 people sounded like 50,000 people. Oh, yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And Dustin and I were in that match. It was us versus the Bucks. We did a tag gauntlet. And I remember uh, Nick Jackson giving them a welcome back chant. And uh, it was exciting. You know, you get goosebumps thinking about it. Just the fact that those were the first people to take a chance and take a chance on us. And we were willing to take that chance being outdoors and, you know, 150 degrees out. And uh, it was exciting. You know, like I said, I'm I'm very fortunate that we work in a company that takes all the safety you know, liabilities and all this stuff seriously, and and we're able to do it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, 
So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp.com slash insight. If you could go back like two years to when you first started with AEW, what do you wish that you knew then that you know now? That you can work hard and ask for what you want. And if the answer is no, just find out how to get there, right? Like I I, I hope that everyone understands that. If you want something, go get it. And Mm. sometimes there are going to be people or roadblocks and you just figure out your ways around them. You know, there's never a a such thing as no. And I remember uh, double or nothing in Vegas they had. So they wanted to do that big thing with the chips and stuff. Right. And Moxley throwing Kenny and well, they needed someone to go through this thing, this box. And uh, no one else was there. It was myself and the production team. So I have a video of it, me going through the, and I remember telling a couple of the people there, like, yeah, well, this is worth it for me because eventually I'm going to ask to wrestle. Like, I knew this in my head the whole time. Okay, I'm going to take this bump, this ridiculous bump uh, at two o'clock in the afternoon, two days before the show. And, uh, but eventually it will pay off because I, I am going to ask to wrestle. And when they tell me, no, I'm going to have all of these things that I did. And then when I asked, they just said, okay, you know what I mean? Actually it was Tony who asked me to wrestle first, but when I asked to wrestle more, it was like, yeah, sure. I was like, Oh, really? It's like, yeah. You know? And of course, at, over time, I, I started getting more serious with my diet and this, that, and the other, and, and really trying to present myself, not as this, this nobody. Yeah. And um, I think people have, like I said, right now they hate me which is what I want. Yeah. As long as they keep watching, that's all I care about. Yeah. You're doing a great job at getting people to hate you right now. Yeah. It's, it's not hard. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of unhappy people in the world. And when you boast about your success, you know what I mean? So, Take me back to the first time that you met Cody, because obviously that relationship you have with Cody has changed your life professionally and personally. Yeah. It would have been uh, center stage in ring of honor in Atlanta. I was backstage uh, I think I was doing like commentary for women of honor. That was part of the deal. And I met him. He, you know, said he was nice. He asked me if I could let Brandy in the back door, like, and then uh, punishment Martinez, Damian priest had told them that I had a facility because if Brandy wanted to train, so he started bringing Brandy by and one thing led to another. And, you know, he, he needed the facility a lot for um, all in. And, you know, one thing led to another, he realized like, then he saw the documentary And, uh, you know, he saw someone with passion and, you know, he needed a little bit of help as someone that could work behind the scenes with him and had the same vision. And, you know, one thing led to another. And then when I guess when AEW started, he was presented with uh, the opportunity to have an assistant. And I remember him asking me and like telling me what I was going to make and thinking like, Jesus, no, like just ask me to wrestle. Like all of that stuff. You know what I mean? I just want to wrestle, but I didn't want to ruin anything I had. So uh, you know, I just, I did it. Right. And then, yeah, one thing led to another, but then I realized like, I'm always going to be known as Cody's guy. And that's not what I want. That's not what I want. Like, you know, my family to know me as like anyone that watches, I want them to know me as this guy that worked really hard and was presented with opportunities and didn't fumble when he got the ball. And now he's going to continue to get opportunities. And the fact that people did, uh, consider me only a Cody guy, 
you know what I mean? Like, hopefully they're eating their words now because on Wednesday I'm going to beat Cody in the middle of the ring and I'm not going to have to worry about that ever again. The biggest thing that stands out for me about QT and about Michael is that when someone gives you the ball, you run with it. Like you take those opportunities and you run with it and you make the most out of those situations. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't have a college degree, right? So this is all I have. This is all I'm good at. And I say that to everybody, like, I'm not good at a lot of stuff. Let me have this, let me have wrestling. Um, so I know that there's a lot of people that are okay with settling and I'm not, I want to go down as the best trainer, as the best behind the scenes worker, as one of the best in-ring performers. Like I want it all. And I think that over the years I've realized like you can have it all. You just have to work really hard. And sometimes you got to step on some people in the process. And if you're okay with that, as long as you do it to their face, you know what I mean? As long as you, you know, if you're going to stab somebody, stab them in the heart. I learned that a long time ago. Don't stab them in the back, just stab them in the heart and tell them why you're doing it. And I've been doing that and it all leads to Wednesday, right? Yeah. If somebody watching this wants to train with you at the Nightmare Factory, what do those steps look like? Um, we have an application process that, you know, myself. Are you always taking applicants? Yeah, yeah, because we do a camps every 12 weeks. Okay. And our, the reason for the camps is just to give them an introductory lesson into wrestling, teach them the basics, uh, and then hopefully use our name and, you know, stay in our shadow. No, uh, you know, use that and, and hopefully go out there and wrestle. The only way you're going to learn to wrestle is by wrestling. Yeah. Um, so we give them, you know, the, the basics with the strength and conditioning, nutrition, everything that you could possibly need to succeed in wrestling. And then it's a matter of them taking the ball and running with it. You know, there's people that have came from our camps that have been on dark so far. And there's people that have come from our camps that we've never heard of, we've never heard from since. And that's on them. You know, like the last thing that Cody, myself, or any of the other coaches are going to do is just, you know, call these kids up. Like if they want opportunities, they have to go grab them and they're there for everybody. And I, that's kind of the one thing that we really try to explain is, you know, be a good person um, and, you know, go for, go for what you want. So if someone walks in the door with zero experience after those 12 weeks, would you be comfortable putting them in a match? Yeah. So we do right at the end of those 12 weeks, we do our student showcase and it airs on YouTube. I think the first one from January, uh, man, it almost has 200,000 views. So this guy, like there's people, it's their first match ever has 200,000 views. My first yeah. match had 36 people, no microphone. Um, you know, my parents were there, like there was no way it was getting 200,000 views. So we're trying to set these kids up for, to be as successful as possible. So you said that when you started off with AEW, you were Cody's assistant. Now your title is Director of Creative Coordination. What does a Director of Creative Coordination do? Uh, I want a title, by the way. I mean, basically anything that deals with creative, right? So like, uh, I think I've, I've recently taken over. And when I say taken over, all that means is that I'm overseeing and letting them do what they already do. So like uh, Sandra with the seamstress, there's Sandra the seamstress, you know, um, makeup department, uh, the extra bookings that's the captain Sean Dean takes care of them. Um, Charles Hardiman, who's in charge of like special outside projects. What happens is like, I know most of the creative stuff when the week comes. So I'm able to deal with makeup and let them know like, Hey, Britt Baker's going to be up first. So she needs priority when it comes to makeup. Same gotcha. with Sandra. Hey, private party does have a match this week. So let's make sure that their gear is ready. Um, just stuff like that. The extras uh, with Sean, you know, I was doing that in addition so it was like my emails are just flooded with 
obviously guys and girls that would like opportunities. And we just felt that Sean was the right pick for this as being an extra before, as being a local talent, understanding what goes into it and what that role is, right? Because it's hard to go there with your expectations of being able to do everything you can do under the sun and then finding out you're lo- you know, that, you know, you're, you're going up against Brian Cage, for instance. Right. So, you know, it might not be a long match. So, um, you know, and, and that's a hard pill to swallow for some people. And, you know, Sean's been very good at it, giving us a report every week to, to let us know who's, who's doing the right things, who's showing up on time, who has their paperwork. A lot of people fail in wrestling because they just can't follow directions. And that goes, I mean, in life, right? A lot of people just can't, they can't follow instructions, simple instructions that would get them to the promised land and they can't do it. So yeah, that, that is just great life advice. Follow the steps. It's pretty simple, man. You know, (laughs) just follow directions, you know, and and be, you know, be a good person. Just, if we ask you to do something, just do it, you know, don't ask why it just has to be done. Yeah. If we go back 17 years to when you're breaking into the business and you told that version of yourself that you'd be where you're at right now, do you think he'd believe you? No shot. No shot. There was no, I never once even thought about working backstage. Um, I, I definitely, obviously there was no AEW. So, sure. you know, my, my goals were a little bit different. Um, but the, the main goal of being a televised professional wrestler was always there. And even mm-hmm. when the lowest of lows that I had in my career, um, the neck surgeries or this, that, everything, you know, I always still believed like, okay, there is a chance. I just haven't been in front of the right people. You know what I mean? That, that That's what I always thought it came down to. I just need to get in front of the right person because yeah. I'm, I'm not the, I don't pass the blind date test is what I, you know, say to my wife all the time as a wrestler, when I walk out of the curtain, I, it's not something that you're going to, Oh my God, I got to see what this person's going to do over time. You understand what I'm good at. You understand, Oh wow. This guy, again, he doesn't fumble. You know what I mean? Like everything he does, because I trained four nights a week still to this day for this. So, um, now I would love for when I walk out of the curtain for people to, Oh my God, I got to see what he does, which is why I've surrounded myself with the factory. You know what I mean? You have Nick Camarado, Anthony Agogo, and Aaron Solo, who are all phenomenal looking athletes. Now people watch, you know, so it, it sometimes you just got to present, present it the right way and, and build your little army. Look, I want to be super respectful of your time because you have three. Well, we listed three jobs. You're also a husband. So I guess you have four jobs. Husband is the, yeah, the most important, right? <laughs> Well, yes, for sure. Um, but I end every interview talking about gratitude. And I feel like, I mean, that just seems to be like oozing out of you with everything you're saying today. But I'm curious, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for as you sit here right now? Uh, one, my health. You know, I have a, had a second chance at performing. Um, I thought and doctors had told me you're not going to be able to continue to do this. So that's one thing. Uh, the second is the support that I have, um, whether it's through, you know, different storyline ideas or anything, you know, my wife has always been there to support and um, she doesn't get angry. She doesn't get upset. She understands what I have to do. Uh, So that's the second thing. And then the third thing, I guess, is just my overall success, right? And, and, And believing in myself, you know, that was the one thing that my, my mother had taught me from a young age, like, just do your best. You're one of the best people out there, whether it's in baseball when I was growing up in high school wrestling, whatever it was, you know, she instilled that in me. Don't listen to what other people think. Just keep going for what you want to do. And eventually it'll happen. And then, like I said, unfortunately, uh, 
certain narratives get in the way of those things, which is then when you just have to say, Hey, screw it and take it yourself. It's been amazing watching your journey, uh, you know, both in the ring and behind the scenes. So congratulations to you on everything. Thank you very much. Hey, good to catch up with you, man. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Like I said, I've been swamped in this match uh, Wednesday, you know, has been, it's been good because now I'm getting to promote, but also get myself out there more, you know, like I'm always behind the scenes. I'm always quiet. You know, like I said, I'm always afraid of stepping up. Like I did a signing at high spots and I remember telling the guy like, this was before, you know, we, we created the factory and uh, man, like, I hope you get any, you know, I hope you get some good pre-buys, you know, and he's like, yeah, you're doing great. Why do you think that way? And I'm just like, well, cause the narrative that we've told everyone is that I'm a nobody, you yeah. know what I mean? And which I was okay with doing because I knew deep down that eventually something like what happened to Cody and the nightmare family was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. Yeah. Perceptions, reality. Oh, and yeah. now you're driving that narrative. That's right. That's right. In a, in a 2020 Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you just sprinkled that in there. Yeah, I had to. Well, because when we met the last time, I had just gotten the other Corvette. And I had just gotten it. And I was excited. It was used. I was, oh, this is great. And then, like, a couple of weeks later, I saw the new model. And I was like, oh, no, I need that. You know, and I don't care how much it costs. Like, I'm going for it. And I have, I think, like, one more payment to make on it. And I would have paid it all off already. So I'm excited for that. Um, Living your best life. You have to. You know, if, you never know when it's going to end. So you might as well do it now. QT Marshall. Marshall. That's right. Marshall. Oh, geez. yeah. That's not all right. Marshall. Yep. Not Marshall. No, definitely no. not. Thank you so much, man. Oh, you're welcome, dude. It's great talking to you. Oh, it's Marshall. I can't believe I even messed it up there at the end. So great to have QT back on the show. So great to have you back with us for another one. And it's been so amazing watching QT slash Michael's growth, both in the ring and behind the scenes. And I mentioned it at the start of the episode, but I highly encourage you to check out our first conversation, episode 65. Wow, way back. We recorded that in person in Atlanta last January, episode 65. We've done like almost 140 episodes since, but we do a really deep dive into who he is as a person, who he is as a performer, and what his goals are in the business. By the way, I bought John Cena's new book called Be a Work in Progress. This is not an ad at all, but I started reading it over the weekend. And if you follow him on Twitter, you know how many insightful and inspirational thoughts and quotes that he shares on there. So instead of leaving this episode and ending this episode with a quote, I'm going to leave you with one of these inspirational tidbits from John Cena's new book, which again is called Be a Work in Progress. I love this. He says, we tend to measure success in things, grind, or status, among other things. Measure success in joy instead. It's a much better gauge. Great book. So easy to read too. It's just like a few sentences on each page with these great thoughts and inspirational quotes. Oh, I love it. All right. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.